a listener production. Created for new dads and dads-to-be, this season is the ultimate go-to guide for men on falling pregnant, giving birth, and what to do once you bring your baby home. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and new dad, Chris Taylor. Welcome to Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath. And we have Chris Taylor here. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Yes, I am uh, the official, well, the, the the symbolic new father on this podcast. Um, I have a daughter who's six months old at the time of recording this episode. Um, oh, such a great age. It is a lovely age. And what she's going through now is very pertinent to today's discussion because in this episode, we're going to talk about one of the issues that I think most comes up with new parents and that's sleep. Or sleep deprivation too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not just the baby sleep, uh, which is obviously a very big part of this discussion, but yeah. the sleep the parents are getting or not getting, as is, as is so often the case. So let's let's begin with the baby sleep, Kath. Yeah. How realistic is it to expect your baby to sleep through the night? Like, is that something one month olds, two month olds are ever capable of, or a complete fantasy we should put to bed? No, babies are capable of sleeping. I say when they're around six months, eight kilos. Sleeping, and I mean by six, seven hours. Now, with sleep, every baby's different. And I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, gosh, my baby slept a lot longer than that, or my baby would never sleep that. So there's a lot of variation. But there are some methods that I have practiced and and perfected over my 48 years. And to get the baby to have some sleep and in turn have parents having sleep because it's so important for us as parents to sleep, especially in this new parenting time, because sleep deprivation, it's just cruel, Mm, isn't it? We're really hard. I I always say to my partner, there's a reason they use it at Guantanamo Bay as a torture technique because it really is, it's not pleasant. And so any tips you have would be so welcomely received. So firstly, yeah, tips for... I think we, we we can't reiterate enough, every baby is different. Some will be natural sleepers, some won't want to ever sleep. What are the tips you can use just to improve your baby's sleep? Okay, so what I do is I have worked out a program called the BBB, which is bath, bottle or breast and bed. So the way I help women and new dads is that I get them to bath the baby at 10 o'clock at night. And this is the night you come home from the hospital. So you bath the baby, deep, warm bath, dress, wrap the baby, and then a bottle or a breast, whatever you want, express breast milk, formula, whatever suits you. And that's how we teach a baby to go from, let's say, 10.30 after the bath for maybe three hours. And then as the baby puts on weight and gains each week, they have the capacity to sleep four hours. And then they have the capacity to sleep five hours. So once they're sleeping from after the bath till about five o'clock in the morning, that's when you start to bring the bath back from 10 o'clock to 9.30. And then then you slowly bring that back to nine o'clock. So I really believe by about 16 weeks, 14 to 16 weeks, you can bath the baby at about six o'clock at night, breast, bottle, whatever you want to give the baby, and then bed, they will sleep through to five o'clock. But at 10 o'clock, which is the original time that we bath the baby, you pick the baby up, 
while it's asleep and wrapped and you give it a breastfeed or a bottle in its sleep. And that's called a dream feed or a rollover feed. So the baby's still asleep. Yeah. And so so that feed or the calories from that feed then allow the baby to go through to five o'clock still. Now, a dream feed and a rollover feed have been around for centuries. It's just been a, it's a very old practice. Everyone thinks I invented it. I didn't. My mother taught me a lot of things. And the dream feed just works so well. And I usually do the dream feed till about, around when the baby's about six months old. And they're sort of moving, they're eating a bit of food and, you know, drinking well, and they've usually got a bit of weight on them. I can imagine a lot of parents, if they have a sleeping baby, they'd be so reluctant to risk the dream feed because if it means picking them up and sort of... But you don't wake them up. I know, but there's a risk of waking them, isn't there? No, 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 no. Babies, if you've got the baby sleeping, we've also got babies with reflux and colic, so we're going to put that to one side. So if this baby is okay and well and gaining weight, if you pick them up, they will feed and they'll go back to sleep. Or they would they just feed in that sort of half sleep. So you don't go on and put lead zeppelin. <laughs> you just pick them up in their room and just do a nice quiet um, rollover feed. And it, it works. Okay. It just works very well. And then when they're sleeping from, say, 6, six o'clock at night, dream feed and then waking at five. This is a big area, Chris, that I get a lot of calls and information about, is that they are not going to sleep during the day. And if they do, it'll be like 30-minute cat naps here and there, like three, four, five little naps. They need a lot of milk during that day and they need those little naps. So they're sleeping 10 hours at night. The rest of the day, we need to give them their calories. That's interesting because, yeah, I was... As a new parent, it's always been very tempting for us to keep the baby up and awake for longer during the daytime. So, so they sleep longer at night. Is, are you saying there's any wisdom to that? No. See, the 10 o'clock bath is when they're just new babies. But a lot of people tend to think, oh, we're going to put the baby to bed later and so they sleep longer. That doesn't work either. It's just that process that I outlined by starting at 10 o'clock getting up past midnight organised first and then before midnight organised. I have thousands of emails of people, uh, you know, writing to me saying, I didn't believe you, (laughs) but we thought we'd give it a go and, my God, you know, the baby's sleeping. And it's, it's different to the way a lot of people teach about feeding a baby and sleeping, but it's very easy and it's actually very old fashioned. So during the day, the baby needs a lot of floor time, play time, uh, tummy time, back time. But if you notice your baby having a nap, like after tummy time, is it? it's fine to let it sleep? Of course, of course. And if they only sleep for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, that's fine. What you've got to keep in your head that they're sleeping 10 hours overnight. They can't do both or else they'd be a very sick baby. So they can't sleep during the day and at night. They will, but that's the next step. And how... How many weeks or months did you say it will take before the baby is sleeping through from, say, six to five with with no interruption? Well, with the dream feed, Mm. it can be about 16 weeks. Yeah, that early and up to six months or so. And up to six months. So then six months changes again because they are active and they're moving. So six months, they 
are capable of staying up a bit longer during the day. So it's usually two hours up, sleep. And they can sleep for two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, and then sleep that 10 hours at night. We're in that we're in that confusing period at the moment. As I said, she's six months where she could go a few nights and sleep right through and we think we've got a champion and we start high-fiving each other and then and then it all falls apart. Like so, so have we done something differently during the day or will babies just be temperamental? So what does she do during the day? She she is still napping during the day. She'll have little mini power naps. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's fine. And what's her weight? Seven point two. Yeah. Perfect. Literally double what she was when she was born. That's right. So she's right on the, well, usually eight kilos by six months. So she's perfect. And I think I spoke to you about, or we've talked about this, is the importance of playtime and not having a baby in a, what I call gadget, like a walker or a jolly jumper or any of these things or sitting a baby, because we need the baby to move a lot during the day because that movement plus the fluid intake, we get a really good balance of energy in with the food and energy out with the movement. Mm. So we don't want to stop the baby moving because it's a very important part of not only growth and development, but sleep. So the more they play tummy time up, you know, moving around during the day, drinking lots, they can actually sleep two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. I find babies, much like adults, can, can be very tired but they fight their sleep. Like they screaming and like rather than just lie down and, you know, do the natural thing and sleep, they re- they get quite agitated. Well, some babies have like a little mantra as they go to sleep. You know, some cry, some sing, some, you know, just look around and talk and, you know, that beautiful baby sort of talk. Um, and that's all quite normal. And some babies do, do, do cry going to sleep. It's all part of that wind down. Um, but if a baby's crying for a lot longer than, you know, sort of a couple of minutes, then you need to work out why they're doing that. You don't want them crying all the time going to bed. Where do you stand on self-settling? Self-settling, I agree with after six months. But for a new baby and a baby up to six months, I always feed them to sleep for a few reasons. One, there's one year in their whole life that they get breast milk formula and fed to sleep with, you know, mum or dad. There's nothing better for that connection. And so I'm very into that bond and not having the baby stressed. And feeding a baby to sleep is not the worst thing they do, but there's a lot of literature out there saying it's really a negative thing to do. Feeding a baby to sleep, we can change that at six months. But for six months, it's a really wonderful thing to do, you know, for everyone. But then when they turn six months, is that when we should encourage a child to be self-settling? You can train a baby and it's very easy. It takes about a night and it's, I call it passive settling. And so it's it's a process of having a baby settle to sleep. Now, it was control crying. It used to be called control crying. I call it passive settling because I think... Control crying sounds like you're out there with a whip hitting the kid. But the whole process or the theory of control crying, I call it passive settling, works. And it works very quickly. And that is, it usually works within one to two nights. And if it's not working within seven nights, you're not doing it properly. So how how, how should we be doing it? 
you feed the baby, put the baby into the cot, and they need to be six kilos, eight kilos or six months. With a onesie on, nothing in the cot, of course. Kiss them, say goodnight and say it's all midwife Kath's fault. <laughs> it's all her idea. I've got that written up on the cot in my house. I tell yeah. everyone that they all say, oh, we do tell her. <laughs> <laughs> you put the baby down and you walk out. Now, the baby will cry. And so after two minutes, usually standing by the door, but after two minutes, you walk in and you say, it's okay. I love you. Everything's good. Walk out. 30 seconds max. You don't stand there and have a really good conversation. You're in and you're out. Then you let the baby cry for four minutes and then you do the same. Reassure, everything's okay. Pat, 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 out the door. But you're not picking it up ever? No. no. Just, a, just a pat? So it's two, four, six, eight, ten, fifteen minutes. Now, if a baby is crying still at 15 minutes, like you need to pick the baby up and feed it to sleep. Now, you will still get the same outcome. Most babies start to have a lull or there's, there's just, they stop crying. Even if it's for two seconds, you're halfway there. And then they just slowly, through crying, they go to sleep. And how, it, it's absolutely incredible how you do it one night. The second night, you might get to four minutes crying and then like it works, mm. then your baby goes to sleep. It runs counter to everything a mother and father sometimes wants to do. Like I think we're kind of wired to if we hear a crying baby to want to pick them up and hug them and totally. calm them. Me too. So is, is the reason it's worth going against our very, very essential human instincts is because ultimately it's important work to make sure babies don't get too clingy and they need to learn no, to – That's not too it's clingy. It's not about that – or is it just helping them learn to sleep on their own? Well, you're teaching them about sleeping. And I'm the, the biggest softie. I will hold babies and sleep, have babies sleep in my arms without a doubt. But if a parent wants babies to go to sleep and go to sleep on time and all of the above, I have done so much training in this and it works. It's the only thing that works. Right. If you lay down with a, um, a mattress on the floor and you, you hold the baby's hand – which some people do. I mean, you'll be there at 15 years of age, you know. <laughs> this works. It works quickly and there's no trauma because it's not night after night after night for, you know, years. This is teaching the baby to sleep. And the thing that's hard, and I'm a mum and I've done it, so I know that it's hard. When your baby's crying, what you want to do in your heart is just run in mm. and pick them up. If you do it exactly the way I say it works. Now, there's a few things pre this. The baby has to be well. No colds, no coughs, no temperature, nothing. You have to have a well baby. You've got to do it at your house. You can't do it down the holiday house and then expect the baby to come home and do it That's again. That's interesting because what familiar surrounds a part of the process? Absolutely. It's not going to be the only time you do it because when when little babies get sick, they wake up and they need us as parents to comfort them and, you know, if they need some milk or whatever, everything changes when they're sick. And you never do this when a baby's sick. But when a baby gets better, you need to do it again. Now, the second time you do this, if a baby is sick and changes its sleeping program, it's very quick. They've learned the lesson very quickly. I think, did you say earlier that you, you really only need to do this a couple of nights and they should pick yeah. it up? Yep. I have gone around to 
some parents place because some people don't want to do it because they find it difficult, which I totally understand. I found it difficult. And I've done it for other people. And they just look at me and go, we cannot believe our kids sleep. I, as I said, I have email after yeah. email after email saying that they've done this. Now, a lot of people are against it, but I also think you have a baby that goes to sleep. Parents sleep. The alternative is you have a baby up all night. You have tired parents, which causes friction. And when you're tired during the day, you've got, you know, work is difficult. Everything's difficult. Don't you think when you're sleep deprived? That's the way I look at it because I don't want to just look after a baby. I want to look after the family. And if you've got the family well, you know what? It becomes easy. So that's a very big midwife, Kath, endorsement for controlled crying. Um, and just to push uh, uh, Passive settling. Yeah. Passive, passive settling. settling, otherwise known as. And can I just clarify, what age do you want to be start doing that if you need to do it? Six months. Six months. Or eight kilos. Whatever comes first. Um, here's another slightly thorny one um, on a related topic. We, we occasionally bring Rose into the bed with us, which I know is a, bi- a big no-no in some people's books in case you roll on top of the baby and harm it. But is it ever okay if it brings them comfort and helps them sleep? Well, Chris, I don't think there's too many parents in the world that could say they've never had a baby in bed with them. I also don't think there's too many parents in the world who have a baby in bed with them and wouldn't have a very innate baby awareness. What's very important is for every parent to be aware of SIDS. Now, I've been around pre-SIDS and also during the time, you know, going to the meetings of, of this information, knowing that, you know, that's why babies were suddenly dying overnight. You know, I really want um, new parents to to read about safe sleeping, SIDS information, and they actually show you what a cot should look like. No bumpers, no pillows, no toys, no blankets, no toys, just the baby. Now, with co-sleeping, it's about being safe again. If you've got a small bed or if, if dads, for example, go to sleep on the couch with the baby, that's a big no-no because babies have fallen down the mm. side of couches when dad's gone to sleep. Being in a, an overcrowded bed, alcohol um, smoking, too many blankets, doonas, overheating. So if we're going to, um, we, you know, Chris and I want to people who are listening to this podcast to uh, practice safe sleeping yeah. for your little baby. It'd be an irony, wouldn't there, Kath? You know, some people might choose co-sleeping as an option because they're petrified of SIDS and if, if the baby's out of sight, sure. they go, well, if it's sleeping with us, we can always watch it and check its heartbeat yeah. and all of that. Yeah. It's a very sad thing. It's mm. very sad. There'd be a lot of people like me and my wife who do it occasionally and and only for short bursts. So we were talking about the dream feed, for instance. She might do a dream feed and then it just stays on for an hour and then we'll both sort of be aware that it's fallen asleep on the boob often and then we'll just take her back to the bassinet. Whereas there, I think I do know of other families where it's the norm every night. They It, it actually just sleeps with them. They put it to bed in their double bed and they... Are you putting your hand up? Yep. Are you Kelly? Yep. Right. Absolutely. Right. So that was you, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that was me, you know, and you know, I think there's different styles of parenting and, you know, I'm really glad I did that. Really glad for how many years. <laughs> and um, I think that 
I have an amazing son and a very, and I don't think it's because, you know, he was in the bed at night sometimes, but, you know, I think that just, you know, being sort of loving and there's nothing more loving than having your baby snuggle up to you at night. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. I, I guess it's just beautiful. I guess I worry, you know, I've, I've never studied psychology or anything, but when you become a new dad, you start to read these books and things. And you, I guess I worry, is it important for the child to have a bit of spatial independence, you know, when they're six months, one year? No, they need you. They need you. You're her life. You're her smell. You're her everything. Let's say parents have made all the best efforts and followed all the midwife Kath advice on how to settle their child. It's just a fact of life, isn't it, that a lot of parents will nonetheless still experience sleep deprivation. It just comes with being a mum and a dad. Yep. And dads are having to juggle this often with work. Um, if you know, Generally speaking, the men tend to go back to work er- early and it can be really, really hard. What is the best way to manage sleep deprivation? It's about, I think, understanding each other and giving each other space to sleep. But I think as women, we are hormonally made, especially in the postnatal period, even like right up into the 12 months, that we are... We are okay to, to, to sort of be up and down overnight. We actually manage better than men because your body hasn't changed through pregnancy and breastfeeding and trying to expect a man to get up overnight and then work during the day, it's not as easy as how we right. feel. There's a woman in our parents group that we've maintained, you know, that we went through and did other classes with and we're still in touch with them and stuff. There's one woman who's had a very difficult um, baby, just doesn't sleep at all. She's amazing. She looks the most sprightly <laughs> of all of them. And she's only getting two hours at the most a night compared to me who, you know, I might sneak in seven on a good night. And I'm looking way worse for wear than her. So women are, it's an extraordinary. We're hardwired. We're yeah. hardwired. Yeah. And I think that's why when I said before that there will always be parents will say that the baby has been in the bed with them because there's sometimes you're so, so tired that you just, it just becomes a norm. But what I want everyone to hear is that we can change it. And six months is a really good time to change it. This is sort of a, I guess, almost a workplace policy question, but I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, Kath. Do you think where possible, if if your job allows it, do you think dads can reasonably be asking to work from home more so they can sneak in little power naps a couple of times a day? I know the pandemic was great for, you know, showing a lot of employers the possibilities of working from home. It's not an unreasonable thing to ask. Can no. I just do two days a week? I'm a new dad. I'm pretty sleep deprived. I think this might make me more productive. I think it's fantastic. And if COVID did anything for us in the early parenting, it's about having that men and women who work will work hard at home and I think if you can sleep in a little bit or have a nap during the day, it changes your whole approach to parenting. Don't you think when you're feeling, oh, you know, if 100 You want to be on to enjoy it and, and on to, to do it yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. That. You want to be yeah. happy with your little baby. It's just such an important time. I'm always amazed how far adrenaline gets you, like just, and the novelty of doing it and all of that. Like you, of course you do it because you have to do it. But yeah, when you've, 
that if you get one good sleep a week, you kind of feel like your, your phone's recharged. It's that feeling. It's that, oh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm going to do it. I've got this. But even that nap during the day when your baby's asleep and you just go into that really deep dribble, dribble, like yes. you really Homer just Simpson go into deep sleep. dribble down the cheek. Oh, yeah. it's just fantastic. It. Yeah. How long is the sleep deprivation going to last? When does sleep patterns return to normal? As I've said before, we can change it at six months, really definitely change it at six months. That depends on the parents, whether they want to do passive settling or not. If you have a child that's waking frequently for no reason, like illness or pain or, you know, which are usually the two um, reasons, there's no reason why they shouldn't sleep. There are things you can do, and I think a lot of people are very afraid of trying to do something to get their baby to sleep. I think the first year is the hardest. Yeah. You know, some people can still be giving the baby a feed overnight for 12 months. That's okay. It doesn't have to be a boot camp. Mm. You know, it's about, this is about parenting and, and loving your baby and making them feel safe. So it's a long answer. I would yeah. say cl- clinically, if you want to, a baby could be asleep by six months, but also babies can still be waking up at five years of age. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a take Strap in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is a controversial one. I know it comes up a lot and when dads get together, they ask this a lot amongst themselves. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Cass. Is it okay if dads have gone back to work, is it okay if they ask to be a little less involved in the in the chores? Some dads I know, like friends of mine, they even sleep in a separate part of the house because they've got to get up early for work and they don't want to be disturbed. Is, do they deserve a leave pass if they're fronting up to no. work every day or, or should we tell them to man up and... <laughs> well, not man up. Like, this is your baby too. Like, you know, it's not Christmas holidays. It's, no, it's it's a shared thing. Not Just because women give birth, it doesn't mean, and, and at home, and being at home with a new baby isn't easy, as you know. Like, it's you don't sit down. I mean, but it's an, if, if, if the woman's stayed at home and the man has gone back to work, it's inevitable the woman will be doing a lot more during the day with the baby. That's just mm-hmm. a fact. I guess it's... There's friends of mine, and, and I do not endorse this in any way, but I think even when they get home from a tricky, stressful day at the office, they kind of thinking, oh, honey, I really just need my sleep. I'll, I'll just go down to the guest room. <laughs> you can just go down to the next You can do the bath the tonight. <laughs> it's, See ya. And, and every couple will be different on this, and there'll be, there'll be superhero dads who, who are really good at doing it all. Um, there's mums, as you said, who are superheroes. They're parents, well, they're, but they're they're burning the candle at both ends. And well, listen, I'm the youngest of eight kids. My father worked full time, came home, g- got up in every morning, gave us all breakfast. We never saw our mother at, at breakfast time. It was great, and I don't think, I mean, that's in the <laughs> the fifties, back in those <laughs> dim dark days. But Chris, I think men these days are absolutely fabulous. I really believe they're so much better than I would say. Than our dads or our grandparents. Absolutely. Absolutely. And abs- yeah. And, and certainly that's that's been 90% of my experience talking to new dads. They're all not just willing, but very able and sort of sure. al- almost in that very sort of alpha male way, wanting to do more than the wife sometimes to sort of. Sure. But, but as I'd say, just to, as devil's advocate, there are men who, you know, have you know, there might be tradies who get up at 5am and work physical, exhausting jobs and they kind of just feel, oh, 
is it okay if I sleep in a separate room? Is it okay if I don't feed the child this night? You just you do that and I'll be the breadwinner until you're ready to go back to work yourself. But what about her? Like we breastfeed, we're, I mean, lactation, it, it makes you so tired oh. and I think just to balance, I suppose, you know. Couples will be have a common sense approach to this. No one's trying to wear the other one down and that shouldn't ever be a competition about who's you know, working harder or doing more. It, it, I think that's when it does become unhealthy and you, I you, do. you can I create toxicity around the baby. And that's when, when there's two tired people in the yeah. house, that's when it all starts. I can tell you some women see men going to work as a break. Do you know what I mean? They're, it's, they're having yeah, a break. Oh, for sure. Oh, men, men joke about that in the workplace. You know, even men in high-flying jobs, they go, oh, I can't come here for a breather. As they, <laughs> as they, get, I mean, it's a joke, but they, it's kind of a, jo- it's it's not a, a joke. It's a joke. A little happens. bit of truth behind it. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I understand what you're saying. Um, I have seen a big change in parenting and men, a huge change. Every couple just needs to have, have the chat. They need to sit down and work out the rules and, and what are the boundaries and who, who will do what and. Yeah, and just be really... And they say, look, you do the rubbish. Yeah. I'll do the dinner or you do the dinner on Mondays and Fridays. Like have a plan plan. because that plan, then when you're tired, you don't want to say, you haven't done anything. (laughs) You know, you... Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a really smart approach. I know one big anxiety dads have, I have this, I'll be honest enough to admit, is about the mum becoming the favourite parent or at least the most useful parent to the child, especially if the father is away at work a lot. So what are practical things every dad can do to ensure the baby forms a bond that's equal to its bond with the mother? First of all, not get into that BS because it does happen. Not try and win over a child and and then say, oh, you know, he loves me better. Yeah. I've seen it happen so much. Never make it a competition. No. No. Even as a joke. It's it's parenting. And I think, you know, what what we were just saying about having a plan, how how you're going to approach the child, and there's different things that you will do. It's about a balance. And that's, I mean, that's about life, isn't it? But certainly parenting. Because I think once you start the conversation of I do more than you, it's, it's just downhill. I guess some men have an anxiety, possibly misplaced, but an anxiety because the feeding is so profound a bonding experience that we, because we don't breastfeeding yeah, because we we yeah. don't have that in our arsenal. Is there something innate about the child having a more natural yeah. feeling of safety with the mother than with the father because they know the mum's the source of what keeps them alive? I think. You know, you do feel a little bit of envy away that, you you know, that you can give life and food and the baby will settle a bit easier with women because we're breastfeeding. Um, but, yeah, I think what I like, to th- it's, I like to talk about is that, you know, it's all a balance and to make sure that men are feeling okay, that they've got a role as a parent. Like what you do with Rose, you've told us over these podcasts that, like, you know, I'm sure she's got a great bond with you because of your interest and your connection and your love for her. But in saying that, not every dad wants to wants to even do that or be that involved. It's sort of women's business. There's so many yeah. people in our community that do it differently. Of course. And, and I think a lot of dads sometimes think, not unreasonably, that 
you know, during that first year, okay, that's, you know, that mum will probably do a bit more of the heavy lifting because of all the breastfeeding and so forth. But when they're one or two and they're starting to talk and play yep. sports, oh, then that's my time to really shine and play, play a much right. bigger role. So uh, my, my message, I think, to dads is if you do feel anxious like I am that, you know, you're not sometimes as equally useful to the baby as the female parent is, Parenthood's a job for life. It's not just this first year. So there'll be, you've got so much more time to assert your influence and your charm on your baby. So um, And your love, yeah. yeah. And, and the babies do pick that up. What you've just said, I say every night in my, my webinars, is that labour's for one day, but parenting's for yeah. life. You know, and it's not just women, it's men too. Uh, baby whisperer extraordinaire, Kath. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the lullabies of advice you've... Sung to us today. (laughs) Uh, Please join us in the next episode when we look at the serious issue of mental health and anxiety and postnatal depression for both mums and dads. So join us then on the next episode of Birth, Baby and Beyond. This has been Birth, Baby and Beyond with midwife Kath Curtin and Chris Taylor. Senior executive producer is Lorna Clarkson. Executive producer is Siobhan Hunt. Audio production by Josh Newth. And music by Matt Nikolich. <laughs>